Rehydrating after an afternoon run and uh, enjoying Valentine's Day together. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 281 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and my Valentine's date for the evening is Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you very much. My girlfriend will be joining us soon, but not in that way, uh, before anybody gets the wrong idea. Um, and she won't be appearing on the podcast, she'll just come in and I'll, I'll cut out her presence. Um, we will begin with a look back over the results from last weekend. It was not a particularly promising fixture list, as we mentioned um, last week, but it turned in a, a couple of decent games, I think, two or three of them at least. Uh, they began on Friday evening with a, a cracker in Florencio Barrela, where Defensa y Justicia beat Chacarita Juniors 4-2. Um, later, no, sorry, at the same time that evening, there was a rather less notable game in Santa Fe. Union nil, Arsenal de Sarandí nil. And later that evening, Newell's Old Boys lost 1-0 at home to the other team from their province who play in red and black halves, Colón. Um, on Friday, sorry, Saturday, Vélez Sarsfield nil, Patronato 2. Gimnasia nil, Estudiantes nil in the La Plata Clásico. Olimpo 1, Racing Club 2 in Bahia Blanca. And then on Sunday, the results were Godoy Cruz 2, Belgrano 1, Tacheres 1, Banfield 0, a result which takes Tacheres second in the table because, of course, as we mentioned last week, Independiente San Lorenzo is, uh, or was, postponed. Uh, that's going to be played in about a month and a half's time because of Independiente playing the Recopa Sudamericana later tonight. Um, so Tacheres is second in the table, a couple of points ahead of San Lorenzo, having played one game more. Boca Juniors, uh, seven points clear ahead of Tacheres, having beaten Tempele 1-0 in an interesting match, actually. It was pretty good, in spite of that low scoreline. Lanús beat River Plate 1-0. Atletico Tucumán got a 2-1 home win over San Martín de San Juan on Monday evening. Tigre got a 2-0 home win over Argentinos Juniors, also on Monday evening. <coughs> and Huracán versus Rosario Central, somewhat unexpectedly, turned into possibly the best match um, of the weekend that finished Huracan 2 Central 3 other than that final one and the very first one because we began with the 6 goal thriller and ended it with the 5 goal thriller which were the other games that, uh, that stood out for you this weekend Andres? Um, well there is a classical which in, in uh, regarding the the, the, the the play the game the, the, the quality it, well, it was a uh, Expectedly bad, uh, awful, like gimnasia and estudiantes, and where there were uh, some events that didn't have to do much with football, like also expectedly or as, as usual. But yes, I think that the most interesting matches, according to the goals on, on them, and the, the perhaps because of the mistakes on, on them, was were. Uh, Defensa Justicia for Chacarita 2 and 
Udakan Chur Central 3. Mm-hmm. The most goals of the match of the of the round were on those of in those matches. We may as well begin with the first match in that case. Defensa versus Chacarita which was 3-2 until very late on um because Fernando Marquez put it beyond doubt with a really nice free kick um right on the ninth, on the stroke of the 90th minute. Uh, up to that point, Defensa had taken an early lead through Leonel Miranda. Uh, uh, while Andres is talking, I'm eating a, a chocolate croissant, by the way, so I apologise if I start to trip over my words just because I have a bit of food in my mouth. Um, and then Nicolas Fernandez scored yet again. He's having a good season, yes. as several of our listeners pointed out in the uh, questions, which we'll be listening to later. Um, in the oof, 19th minute of the second half is the 64th minute. It went 3-0 when Fabian Bordagaray scored and then tore his shirt off and um, had a very energetic celebration indeed uh, with 15 minutes to go before Chacarita pulled one, pulled two back in very quick succession. Um, so it was 3-2 and an edgy finish to the game. I will hold my hands up and say that what I saw was uh, I started watching half paying attention um, between Chacarita's two goals. So I only really saw the very end of the game, but it was it was quite a dramatic one. Um, and then Fernando Marquez, as I say, wrapping things up for Defensiva Justicia, who, as a result of that win, have gone 14th. So they're in the Copa Sudamericana conversation. And they're they not actually also. in the qualifying spots just yet for the Sudamericana. And they will play also. that, And they're playing this year's Sudamericana as well. Uh, they're playing... America de Cali. Thank you. Tomorrow, I think. Yes, it is tomorrow evening. Uh, so this evening, right now, as we record, by the way, we have a, a Libertadores qualifier going on. It's the first leg of Banfield's um, uh, third round qualification. You might recall last week that I mentioned that Banfield had won their tie, um, and I gave you the full-time score of Nacional Chapecoense. They are, of course, therefore playing Nacional in this match. The first leg is at home, and next week, or the week after, I think, is the second leg which obviously will be in Montevideo. Um, the, I think it, is, it will be next because the next week because the other week they will be starting the round, the knockout, no, 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 oh, the round, early, groups, it? stage, matches. Didn't realise it started In fact, River plays Flamingo in two weeks' time, exactly. Ah, okay. Excellent. Um, but yeah, Defensive Justicia, by no means out of the qualification run, um, for next year's Sudamericana because it's very, very tight in this part of the of the table. They're up to 21 points in 14th place. Only three points separate them from Huracan, who are seventh and just lost to Central in the other big match of the weekend, or the other high-scoring match of the weekend, at least. Um, so the um, Sen- Huracan against Central, I, again, caught the end of, but not the beginning of it. And they have, a, a, at least surprising for me, which is the power... Of goal that Nicolas Fernandez has, uh, along with I think that there is a question about it. But uh, Sebastián Rivas, for example, the Uruguayan striker from Patronato, who you mentioned and I, and I mentioned it also because it's it's remarkable how he scored the n- most uh, percentage of goals here in Argentina in Patronato than in his entire career. Mm. And uh, Nicolas Fernandez, I think we also talked about him. And his relation, or well, at least the three Fernandes that uh, Brian, I think now it's at Unión La Carrera, Chile, 
and well, Leandro Fernández at, at Independiente. So, uh, I think the oh, he's one of those brothers, is he? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, I th and I think that uh, of the three brothers, Nicolás is the one, the the best, at least the the one who is more uh, powerful or the who is at least for me the best performance. Mm. He's certainly the one in the hottest form at the moment, and that's you know without meaning to demean the form that Leandro Fernández Fernández is in for Independiente. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, for Huracan, it was difficult not to feel sorry for Israel Damonte, who um, might well have scored 10%, well over 10% of all of the goals that he's ever scored in his career in that one match. He scored twice, he's a defensive midfielder, scored two goals in a game, and still ended up on the losing side. Um, and he could have scored the third one. Yeah, goal. he could have done. Um, remind me of the situation though. He it was like a chip, the, the goalkeeper of uh, Rosario Central, whose name I don't remember right now. Uh, uh, Jeremias Ledesma. Thank you. Punched the ball away and it uh, uh, fallen to the mm. to, to Damonte who chipped it, or well, it was like a, a long ball or a well, and, and Mariano Mar no Martinez, whose name also rem don't remember. Uh, Punched it away also, but he was the player, so he wasn't off. Yeah, he actually sort of elbowed it very energetically oh, yes. over the over the crossbar. Uh, Mauricio is his first name, by the way. Um, and happier news for another defensive midfielder. I think he's a defensive midfielder anyway. Joaquin Pereira was only in the starting lineup for Central as a result of Maxi Gonzalez being suspended for that match, and he scored what proved to be the winner. He put Central three-one up. Um, oh, it came after, did it? Hang on. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've got the um, the uh, who's who on this timeline mixed up. He he did put Central three one up uh, with four minutes to go before Damonte scored his second uh, just a few minutes later. Um, so well done to Ledesma if you're listening. Um, uh, to, sorry to Pereira if you're listening um, because uh, he he managed to chip in on his. I don't think it was his debut, but it was his first start, I believe, for Central. Um, and the other two, Herman Herrera. And Fernando Sanpedri also both weighed in with goals. So Marco Ruben not being missed overly by Central. And just possibly Sanpedri's starting to look a little bit more at home. The, the one who, was at, who scored goals at Atletico uh, Tucumán. Yeah. Um, who, mm. who, as we said, during the first half of the season seemed to be having a, a bit of difficulty sort of gelling with, with Ruben and, and um, finding his place in the team. But I think it, Ruben's absence is sort of in a funny way helped Sam Is he injured or it was something I think he's he's been injured and he's coming back from it fairly shortly oh. um, so he wasn't fit enough for the match squad now but I think he's doubtful for next weekend because now actually. the strikers are uh, Herrera with San Pedro that in fact Herrera scored the goal but it was disallowed because of supposed, he supposedly supposedly committed uh, made a, a, a foul to a Huracan defender and well it was disallowed, so uh, I, I was surprised because of I didn't know that Ruben was injured. So, uh, by the way, San Pedri, like like you said, and well, like we have mentioned, he is now starting to score, like or to be the San Pedri that uh, played for for Atletico Tucumán. Yeah, yes, uh, Herrera did also score a goal. Was allowed, just to be clear. Um, so they each got one. Oh yes, and so then as I said, Pereira. Um, yes. Got the got the other on in one of his first starts. So congratulations to him and hard luck, Israel Damonte. Um, elsewhere, other good results. I mean, we should mention Boca Tempele. We have been 
praising Boca for the last few weeks for their good play. We mentioned last week or a week before, I think, that Tempele like to do things, in inverted commas, the right way. Um, in spite of the fact that they're not necessarily very good at it. They, they try to play football attractively. Um, and that actually made for a really good game. It, it was, of the teams who have visited La Bombonera this season, although the Tempele acquitted themselves as well as any of them. I mean, obviously, was it Colón managed to beat Boca in La Bombonera? Was that Colón? 2-0? No. If you mean now, no. They lost... Uh... Boca have lost one game at home. And it was against... Come on. Load. It was against Racing. Sorry, 2-1. Uh, with the exception of, of Racing, um, uh, I, I thought that Tempoli did as well as anybody has done in, in La Bombonera. It was an end-to-end game for the most part. Um, Boca were made to wait until almost the hour for the goal from Frank Fabra, which wasn't even a, a chance, really. It was just a miss-hit cross that sailed it, in at the far it, post. Yes, it was a typical uh, shot in which you say, or you imagine that he was, the, his intention was to, to take a cross, not a, a, a shot on goal. And in fact, temporarily, I think that they deserved a, at least an equaliser. Mm. Um, and they had, in the first, uh, for the what I watched, in the first half, they had better chances than Boca, including one from Ramiro Costa, which was a yeah. magnificent save by Rossi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Costa had a, I, I thought he had a really good game. He put himself about quite well. He had a sort of half, one or two half chances in the second half as well. Um, Leonardo Di Lorenzo, too, yes. had, a, had a good game in midfield, the captain. Um, he did have a couple of silly shots from distance that would never kind of come off but you know apart from that um, and so it, it's sort of a it, it's a weird one because Tempelea if, if they got the results that some of their performances deserve then one suspects that they would be higher up the table they, they've only won three matches um, all season so far they've drawn three as well and they've lost all the others so that they're on a run now of three without well not, not just three without a win but three straight defeats with no goals scored in that time. But they made a big effort and they had to um, bet for Boca playing a very awful match. They didn't play well, but it wasn't that awful. And for them to play brilliantly or to play uh, perhaps much better that, than the way they have been doing. Mm. And they did. Uh, it wasn't enough for uh, to score at least a, a one goal that I, I think they deserved. Um, and well, Boca has these things. They don't play well, but they win anyway, and they have their advantage even wider. Well, with San Lorenzo having having, having played, uh, having not played because of what we have talked about, the, the they have to play against Independiente, who are yeah. right uh, right now or well, yeah, in uh, well, an hour and a half. Uh, they it's play against Guarimio. Kicks off at nine. Oh, which okay. is a bit of a weird kick-off time for um, a South American continental match, especially one involving a Brazilian club. Uh, but yeah, it, it kicks off in an hour and ten minutes. It's currently ten to eight as we record. Boca were quite wasteful with their finishing, it has to be said. They, they had seven shots off target and one that, for some reason, st- statisticians, as we know, count shots that hit the post or the woodwork separately, uh, when in fact they're also off-target off target shots. So they had eight shots off target. And Tevez um, missed a penalty. And Tevis missed a penalty. Yeah, well, had it saved, uh, in fact, didn't he? Which was justice. Boca goalkeeper. Which was... Oh, is he? Yes. Josue Shala. 
Oh, I've forgotten about the fact. Yeah, well done. Well remembered. Um, and it was justice, because it shouldn't have been a penalty. <laughs> um, Tevez went down in the box and had not been touched. He crashed the defender instead of the defender going... Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure he, he even crashed into him. I, I thought they just... I didn't really see any contact at all. Um, but it was uh, it was awarded, and then it was saved by Ashala. So well done, Ashala, for at least um, ensuring that little piece of, of justice happened. Um, I think Tempele's problem, as much as anything, is that they don't have very good strikers. Yes. Good approach play, but the finishing is frequently disastrous. Marcos Figueroa and Ramiro Costa really need to up their games. Uh, that's my considered um, analysis of, of their play, based on how much we've talked about them so far. But it, it's a weird one, because in terms of Boca's performance, you know, we mentioned last week, Tacheres' really scrappy win over, was it Atletico Tucumán? Um or was it Tempele? No, Tempele yeah, it was, was Tempele. Ah, it was Tempele. Okay. Um, has got a really scrappy win, which we, we, we mentioned. Tashera's maybe didn't really deserve because it was their only shot on target. Um, but, we, but we mentioned then, you know, I, I said last week, if Tashera's were top of the league rather than third, we would be talking about it as the form of champions. Uh, and this week, Boca do it, funnily enough, against the same club. And it is the form of champions. It's It's... You know, Boca have been playing very well for the last few weeks. They, they've been um, comfortably beating teams. This match was a much, much harder work for them, but they still managed to win, even if it was by a, a goal that sailed in when it wasn't even a shot. Um, Is the so perhaps the how we say here, or perhaps it's abroad said also, the um, luck of the champions. Mm. Precisely. Yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. Um, away from the Bombonera we had Olimpo against Racing which was I think quite an entertaining match I was taking part in the first ever competitive quiz event uh, on South American soil while this one was played so I can't say an awful lot about it did you catch much of it Andres? I think it was also the same as Boca for Racing very hard working even they started losing with the some problems in defense with mm. the new the new defenders that still have work to do uh, and Drojanski got the, the the winning goal that partial winning goal and then with Sigali one of the signings that first was with some mistakes or some problems then uh, got the equalizer with the header and well after that with the talking about mistakes of the Olimpo uh, defense was horrible after a corner kick I think or a free kick mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Ricardo Centurion was there to chip it slightly and uh, uh, got, get the win for, for them for Racing with uh, I think of course much better than the first match uh, with Caudet in the bench but uh, uh, not perhaps uh, not, not the, the, the the performance that they showed against uh, against Huracan but it was enough for them to, to, to get there. Olimpo are a weird one, though, because I mean, we've mentioned a few times how even though Olimpo aren't actually very good, they frequently manage to make themselves a really awkward team to visit, particularly yes. for the Big Five. They seem to enjoy um, hosting the Big Five sides. So, in a way, I think it's a good point, even though, uh, sorry, a good three points. Um, you know, even though on the face of it, what Racing have just done is managed an away win against the team who are second from bottom. So you'd think, well, so what? Um, 
but they always just seem to be more difficult to beat than they really ought to be, given that they're crap. Yes. Uh, it's it's a really weird one. I don't remember if it was them or Goy Cruz, the one of the teams that uh, during a moment uh, they, they all of their points or, or almost uh, all of their points they got them from their home. It's, it's Godoy Cruz, who oh. uh, since we last recorded, last week we mentioned they have five wins out of five and we're on track for a sixth because their match against, I can't remember who it was now, was it Lanus, um, was being played while we recorded. They have since, uh, not only did they win that match against Lanus, but they also won at home at the weekend, 2-1 against, I had the wrong screen up when I was saying that, Belgrano. Um, so we may as well discuss them now because that makes it seven wins out of seven at home. And only one win out of seven away from home uh, in the Superliga season so far. That's not right, is it? Because we've had 15 matches and 7 plus 7 is 14. Uh, let's look up Godoy Cruz's exact form because I've clearly slightly misremembered something here. Or I'm just doing my sums wrong. Godoy Cruz have away from home, they've. Let's see, they've lost four matches. All of those have been away. They have drawn three matches and all of those have been away. And of their victories, we've got one at home, two at home, three at home, four at home, one away, five at home, six, seven. So yes, okay, they, they've, they've won one in eight away from home and seven out of seven at home. Um, and they deserved it again. I thought this time around they, they were pretty good against Belgrano. They weren't brilliant by any stretch of the imagination uh, but two goals from one each from the strikers Juan Garro and Santiago Garcia who's I would say he's having a good season but the truth is he's, he's having a, an ordinary season because yes. he's been on in very good form uh, really since he signed for the club I dare to say that uh, Garro the, the number seven they if he weren't had a better perhaps a, a profile or, 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 or mar I, I mean marketing Something that has to do with the, with his, I don't know, social networks or something like that. He will have a, perhaps a jump into another team, a bigger team, because he's showing, I think, great performances, scoring goals, and uh, perhaps making some play there in the midfield. And well, uh, I think he's doing well. Yeah, yes. I'm just looking up how old he is, um, out of interest. And he, here we go. 24th of November, 92, which means he's what 25. Um, so he's not ancient and he's a one club man so far mm. uh, Godoy Cruz is the only team he's ever played for um, having been born in oh look at that Toulouse-Shan so he really is a one club I mean yes. he, he must have even done youth team football yes. with Godoy Cruz as well given where he was born and, and grew up of course we, we have to expect a jump to another team but uh, there was another midfielder in that from that club who, who played in similar position than him which is uh, Suki, Fernando Suki, who went for, to Boca and he didn't play much, and now it's at Estudiantes. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a long time since I, I think he's playing in a good level, and who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you do sort of wonder as well with so much of the media in Argentina being, obviously, Buenos Aires based. You sort of think if if he yes if he was playing for one of the Buenos Aires clubs, not even necessarily one of the big five, but he was playing at Huracan or Argentinos or Tigre. Um, and to the same level, then it's difficult to believe that he would have stayed there in that club for how long has he been there for now? Eight years and counting in the first team. Um, 
So yeah, well done, Juan Garro. Well done, Santiago Garcia, for yet another goal. Um, and yeah, Godoy Cruz are just sort of keeping on, keeping on, really. Um, they now are, because of that really awful away form, it's the only thing dragging them down, actually. But even then, they're fourth. In spite of the fact they've won one game from eight matches at home. Um, and that away form, we were having going to have to get there at some point uh, to this next team. Godoy Cruz's away form provides perhaps a sliver of hope um, for their next opponents to get out of the rut because Godoy Cruz's next opponents are River Plate, who lost at the weekend 1-0 to Lanús. It was Lanús' first win in nine Superliga matches. Their first win in any competition since they beat River Plate in the same stadium in the second leg of the Copa Libertadores semi-final last year. Um, and it was River Plate's sixth defeat in nine league matches um, since that match as well, pretty much. And I was saying to Andres beforehand, and I said to the other guys as well, when I sent out the email beforehand um, for this episode, that we're not going to spend too long talking about River for this game because we're just going to end up repeating what we said last week and the week before. And I don't want Hand of Pod to become a repetitive podcast, particularly when we're talking about the team who, obviously, Andres and I pay more attention to than any of the others. Um, River, once again, were massively predictable in attack, uh, full of individual effort and not too much in the team. I thought, actually, for the first 20 minutes or so, they looked like they were turning things around. They, they, they played well, they kept possession moved the ball forward, put Lanús under some pressure and actually looked like they were playing for each other. And then Lanús scored through Alejandro Silva um, in the 30th minute. And from the moment the goal went in, River went right back to doing the same mistakes as before. So if you want an analysis of why River lost this match, listen to the hand of from two weeks ago. You could even listen to the one from last week when River had just beaten Olimpo 2-0 in the Monumental, and I made the point that it was a performance that did absolutely nothing to dispel any of the doubts that we had about them before, because it was a performance that relied on two moments of individual genius from Ignacio Ejcoco. Um, and things are... are and life is some th- sometimes unfair, or, well, it's, like, it's what it is, because this time, against Lanús, of course, the ball was awfully... with the, 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 the pitch quality was similar to Rivers stadium mm. was awful and that made Skoko to oh we had one that bubbled up didn't yes. we after um, Saraki was it Saraki crossed it for him no uh, Poncio that uh, ah, stole the ball to Roman Martinez and assisted uh, Skoko who in a normal pitch conditions I think I think he should have scored well it would have been hard to miss it yes. if it had been rolling along the floor uh, um, but it bounced up and hit him on the shin yeah. when he was aiming to hit it with his foot um, but yeah, same old story. Yeah. Same old story, similar, like you said, as Huracan's defeat. It's hard because it's like they knew that they will, won't be able to score. That means that a single goal from the rival that you concede, it's enough yeah. to, to be defeated. Um, just one question on River before we move on to Lanús um, for this game. But Gonzalo Martinez apparently is a doubt this weekend for River against Godoy Cruz. Do you think that could be a blessing in disguise? Because it possibly provides an opportunity to put um, Fernando Quintero into the starting lineup in his place. And Apparently, he has been not because of his performance. Because if 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 for performances, you, you Gachado should 
replace the eleven, perhaps man. Mm. Well, except uh, Armani, but he uh, has physical problems and he didn't uh, train properly. I think I don't know if today or yesterday. Uh huh. Um, and uh, could be uh, Quintero shows interesting things, but we we are now starting to look for people or for players who save River. Mm. Uh, like a, a name or a player, and the problem is, is collective. Is all that all the because it's insecure in defense, not creative in a, in the, in midfield, and not very aggressive in attack. Yeah, and, and it's on the manager ultimately, yes. and uh, that's a manager who River gave a four-year contract extension to yes. about a month ago. He has the luck, not the luck. He worked for it, and he served to win the titles they won. Uh, River with Gachardo, but in a normal. Uh, as I, uh, as I, I talked about the conditions of the pitch. In normal yeah. conditions, of a, a coach should have been fired if Gallardo wasn't Gallardo. Yeah, because it's been a year now and yes. he doesn't appear to have uh, learned from any of the mistakes he's been making. Uh, but Lanús, I thought, put in one of the best performances of that winless run, which is one of the reasons, of course, that the winless run ended. Um, even then, they weren't. Absolutely brilliant. But one thing that I do think we have to applaud is that they finished the match with nine youth team graduates on the pitch. Um, I think the only players who were not off, just looking at the lineup, are Roman Martinez and Herman Denis. I think those are the only two who were left on the pitch at the end of. Oh, sorry. Uh, in fact, they've both been subbed off. Um, so sorry, it was Marcone who was still there, and the other would be Lautaro Acosta. Or Paschini. No. Must be Acosta. Or was one of the subs? No, all the subs were, were used in products. Anyway, I read this on Twitter, so it must be true. Nine. Andrade, I think, also isn't from the... Well, it's the, pro, the thing is that Lenus has, has good products or good players in mm. their youth divisions. Uh, one of the, uh, one of them was Gaston Lodico, with, whose surname... Uh, I, I haven't even heard his, his surname... Mm. And he entered to the match as he were uh, a five-year experienced player yeah. uh, to replace Fernando Barrientos injured, and he was very, very at ease. Uh, as while players like Martinez uh, uh, or I know uh, to not to name any any single player, but most of the players from River who had, has a lot of experience are like nervous, like not knowing what to do, and what. Well, this that that those are differences, uh, uh, punctual punctual differences or or, or uh, key differences. Yeah, and and it perhaps puts into um, perspective, you know, some of the complaints, particularly from uh, from Phil when when he came on this podcast towards the end of last year, uh, our Lanus in English correspondent on Twitter, um, who who was making the point that that beyond the first eleven, Lanus don't have very much, and and the team were getting tired and. Uh, and there wasn't enough variety but if you've got this strength in depth coming through the youth team and you have a manager who is prepared to put his faith in those players at least it bodes well for the next 12 to 24 months um, for the club so I think that you know Lanus are going to be struggling maybe to qualify for the um, Libertadores next year but um, and they're getting underway as well this week in the Sudamericana this week or next week, I can't remember. Um, but um, you know, they the the future could be bright. Even so, even if the immediate present 
uh, can be a bit of a slog at times. Yes, Alejandro Silva, after the match, talked about this on the poor uh, transfer window that Lanús had, which with no, I think, no signings, mm. uh, and that they had to struggle with this, with the players that are in the youth divisions. Well, and they are, of course, you you talk about a, a match with against River, who is which are at the perhaps awful moment, and it's not a parameter to to measure measure. Well, we played a great match against River, which is uh, River anyway. It doesn't matter whether the moment of the team, but they have this. They have uh, Taller, uh, they have Lodico, they have Belmonte. And I forget I, I forgot about another, the other player that I think I think he's the defender. Uh, How I've closed down the uh, the match yes, details. Give, the, me, give me a second to load them. In up. the formation that there are another one, a defender that is from the uh, 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 yeah, I've forgotten his name as well. It's loading now. Uh, it was Tala as the right centre back and Enzo Ortiz as yes, the left hand centre back. Yes, genuine product from Lanús. Uh, Cantera. Yeah. Um, elsewhere at the weekend, obviously the other two of the big five who we've not mentioned yet, Independiente San Lorenzo didn't play. We've already mentioned that several times now. Vélez lost 2-0 at home to Patronato. So Gabriel Hainsey got off to a really good start as manager in his first game with a 1-0 win. And he's lost both matches since. And Are this in trouble? Because Maro Sarate doesn't seem to be. Uh, yes, that's something I was going to, to say. He's off the plane yet. It's remarkable know? how uh, two of the three signings I I mentioned as the best are, <laughs> are really well. Uh, Mauro Sarate, one of them is yes, not. Uh, I don't know if he's not informed or or what happens with him, but or perhaps it's a lot of kills with Mauro Sarate. Hmm. But yes, uh, which I mean. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's fair enough to call it that. Um, Vélez's uh, starting 11, 3-3-3-1 formation was Cubero, Lasso, Tosiglieri. So, I mean, that's a defence with some experience, at least. But Lasso, as well, is new to the club. He just got signed from Argentinos over the summer. Uh, De La Fuente, Mendes, Cufre in midfield, and then both Sarate, Mainero, who I've never heard of, uh, along the front three and Rodrigo Salinas up front um, with obviously Sarate buzzing around just behind him and, and overtaking him at times um, but yeah it, it remains a team with, with not an awful lot of experience even though we had the impression when we came back from the summer that Venice had specifically gone for players with experience or at least a bit more experience than their 18 year olds um, in the transfer window it's a difficult balance. But they have play, three. Clearly. They started with three of them: Torciglieri, Cubero, and Mauro Sarate. Yeah. Uh, Lasso had some experience, but he played for Argentina. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's like 24, so yes. I mean, he's older than the average Vélez player. He's still not massively experienced, in, even then, uh, himself. Um, and Rodrigo Salinas, who is a former Chacarita uh, striker that was the goal scorer of the National B when. It's Chac- that. Rodrigo Salinas, yes. is it? When Chacarita got the promotion. Oh, I see. I haven't linked the two. Um, but credit to Patronato, who scored with goals from Sebastián Arribas, inevitably, and Adrián Balboa, or Rocky Balboa. Rocco. As, or Rocco, Rocco Balboa, Balboa, as yes. he was dubbed during his yes. um, goal celebration. Uh, he had a T-shirt on underneath his 
Yes, uh, he had Rocco on their right back. Uh, Rocco Balboa, of course, and punching the uh, flag, well, the banderin. The corner flag. The corner flag when, when he scored the goal, yes. Yeah, and then Rivas weighed in with his inevitable traditional goal for Patronato. Both Uruguayan, so Patronato yeah. has Garra Charrua. Indeed, yeah. Um, they do. Well spotted. Uh, other matches that we can talk about, I mean, Union versus Arsenal, I don't think really merits talking about. It was um, pretty bad. And the Clásico de la Plata. We have to talk about it because it's the classical. You already mentioned at the beginning of the show that it's uh, it wasn't the best football match in the world. Yes. Um, there were a couple of things to talk about off the pitch. On the pitch, we'll just cover it really quickly. First of all, nothing happened. I don't think there yes. was even a red card, was there? I'm, I'm bringing the, the yes. Thing up now. I think it was Alderete or oh, there was oh the the one who wasn't. I, I must have, oh, you're right. There was. I must have fallen asleep. Yeah, Omar Alderete towards the end of the match got sent off um, for Gimnasia for a second bookable offence and other than that it was really dull yes really uh, dull quite dirty it's, I, I expect more from Estudiantes because in these kind of matches mm. well, in the Clásico of La Plata they are usually perhaps with better mentality than Gimnasia because well of the, the previous results the, we, they are still remembering the seven nil that the Estudiantes got over over Gimnasia the fifteenth of October of twenty oh six, I think it yeah. was the exact date. Um and no, they couldn't do anything in the pitch. Uh, and yes, we have to talk unfortunately once again of, of different things than football because I'd I'd missed this story in fact, so yes. I'll I'll let you um, Well there was a player from Estudiantes, a youth player that has twenty years, Carlo Latancio who was in the bus uh, on his way to the stadium along with the other players of Estudiantes and he did the gesture of the seven goals mm -hmm. to the Gimnasia supporters like of the 7-0 like of course boasting about it and uh, he was taken to a police department uh, because of that as they, uh, there is a law of, of sport in Argentina yeah incitement to violence yes not to promote violence and that well and more if you are a player because if you are a supporter it's the folklore of football and what well, you're a player you aren't able to do that mm. uh, and, and, we, and we were saying who, who was the player who did it Carlo Latancio Latancio who's he hasn't old. even played I think in first division uh, and uh, it's yes something really incredible spell his name for me Carlo Latancio Carlo Latancio L-A-T-T-A-N Z-I-O yes I just want to see how old he is, because as 20, we were mentioning 20, before 20 we started recording, old. 20 years old. Yeah. So, when that match happened, he was eight. Yes. And I, can, I can barely remember football. More, more, like. more uh, incredible is the, and something that he, they had to think about this, the uh, Branya and uh, Andujar declarations after the match. Uh, Andujar saying that he didn't lie because it was 7-0. <laughs> Uh, and you have to teach the, the, the boys because, well, it's uh, something that you, then you expect different things from the supporters and well, you are the players. Mm -hmm. uh, and apart from that, uh, the vice president of Gimnasia, who's, uh, I don't remember the surname right, right now, was also taken to the police department because 
he tried people or what well, gimnasia supporters to get into the stadium when the stadium was already full and closed mm. uh, so to overcrowd with people yeah which is something that has happened in certain other stadiums in Argentina in particularly in big matches and so it is nice at least to see the security forces taking it seriously for a change um Well done as well to Tacheres, as we mentioned, who went second with their victory, albeit with one game played more than San Lorenzo. Um, it was a 1-0 win over Banfield, who were fielding a largely, if not entirely, second-string side in preparation for the match that they are currently playing, as we record. Um, and so far, at least, it seems to be paying off, because they have just managed to get an equaliser on the night. 1-1 at home to Nacional. They, they fell behind about 15 or 20 minutes ago and I, I didn't get a chance to uh, mention it when it was scored. Um, and then uh, I forgot after that, but they've, they've literally just equalised. So 59 minutes played almost and it's Banfield 1, Nacional 1. Uh, we'll be able to give you the full-time score from this one during the podcast, I suspect, because we'll still be recording in half an hour, quite possibly. Um, but on the uh, evening of, when was this? Uh, the 11th of February, which was Sunday. Right? We've had a long weekend here in Argentina, listeners, so everything's blurring into one a little bit. But yeah, the 11th was Sunday. Uh, they lost 1-0 away to Tacheres with Lucas Olasa scoring the only goal of the game, which is interesting because he's a left-back and doesn't score many. He used to score uh, penalties, especially, I think. Oh, uh, did he? Yes, he scored... Oh, this one was a penalty, in fact, I now see. Yes. I, I, as I mentioned, I was... Uh, uh, well, I, as will have become clear, um, I wasn't watching that game. What was the other game that was on at the same time? Oh, God, I cruised Belgrano. That's, that's no, why I wasn't watching Tacheres Banfield, because I was watching the other one. Um, there you go. In I fact, Olasa, of course, didn't... Uh, it wasn't a serious uh, possibility, but uh, when... Uh, It was Emmanuel Mas supposed to go to Boca. For, uh, they said that, or it was said that if Emmanuel Mas w wasn't able to go f and, and to play for Boca, Olasa was the one who, who Boca would uh, try to sign. Uh -huh. That would have been an interesting yes. signing, I would say. Um, I'm trying to get the stats up, but they're not loading. So I can't tell you very much about and that. I have doubt. Why? I can tell you that Tashera's really dominated possession and had almost double the number of shots yes. that Banfield had. But again, Banfield were fielding a second string, string side, so that's largely what you would expect. I have doubt. Uh, I, I think it, that is because of the uh, round of the of the match. But uh, now Banfield is playing against uh, Nacional for the Copa Libertadores, even when yeah. it's phase three or round three uh, of the previous. From uh, to the round stage, and the Independiente didn't play uh, on Sunday or or Saturday. Mm. Uh, they played the Copa Sudamericana. It's because it's title. Uh, yeah, it's because it's, it's because the Recopa is a final. Uh, so okay. when you get into the final of a continental competition, which, as far as South Americans are concerned, the Supercopa or Recopa, as they call it down here, um, is, uh, then you have the right to. Postpone one of the matches, but it, until you reach the final, every other continental game you just have to lump it. Otherwise, you'd have teams who would never play any of their league games, I suppose. Um, so yeah, Banfield are playing this because it's a qualifier. Independiente didn't have to play at the weekend because it's a final in inverted commas. Um, I think we've covered most of the talking points from the weekend. It was Tigre Argentinos. That uh, well, it's 
uh, Tigre a bit better perhaps of course match Argentinos it was the, the, the their players they are most important players they are uh, like Pisculici for example talking about their lack of attitude mm. that they weren't as even running and they that Tigre deserved the win uh, which is strange for the players of their of their 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 own players of a team to to say this uh, but yes apparently they weren't playing very well yeah goals from Lucas Menossi and Diego Morales tied things up for Tigre with Barrios uh, going out injured oh yes Lucas Barrios it's not too serious is it or is it he was insulting because of that so I don't know Uh I saw a headline about it earlier let's google it and luckily because he scored a a goal against Defensa Justicia in the previous match and assisted in the other one uh, after a great match now he got injured mm, indeed uh, he has got a and I'm I won't even say translating here merely transliterating uh, oh no he's, he's got a pain in the posterior face of his right thigh um, and it says here Where's that music coming from? Oh, it's from the computer. Sorry, I I forgot that I hadn't muted the computer. That's annoying, isn't it? So apologies for that um, interruption from technology, listeners. Um, (laughs) I had no idea where that was coming from. Uh, Anyway, right, so Barrios is going to be out for about three weeks, it says there. But it took long enough. He was substituted in the 21st minute, and he's going to be out for 21 days. Fitting. Good thing yes. it didn't happen in the 89th minute. So the yes, the top signings uh, apparently. Uh, well, I am not a very good uh, 4C. <laughs> we'll let you off yes. for now. Um, positions. I'll quickly run them down for you. They are as follows: Boca Juniors top the league with 37 points. Tacheres is second with 30 points. San Lorenzo third with 28, but a game in hand. Godoy Cruz have 27, Union have 26, Independiente have 25 with a game in hand. So if they beat San Lorenzo. Uh, then, I mean, if they absolutely thrash San Lorenzo, then they could go third. They could leapfrog San Lorenzo into third. Assuming, of course, that everything stays the same between now and the 4th of April when that match will be played. Huracan have 24, Estudiantes have 24, Belgrano have 24. That brings us down to ninth. And completing the top 10, Atletico Tucumán with 23. Level on points with Argentinos and Colón, who also both have 23. In the relegation battle, we're only a little bit clearer because, once again, Arsenal failed to win. Um, so they're just creeping ever so slightly for closer to the abyss. Chacarita, I've already forgotten what Chacarita did. They lost 4-2 against Defensa. Of course they did, thank you very much for reminding me. So Chacarita, bottom of the relegation table, Arsenal, second bottom. Tempele, in spite of that battling performance in the Bombonera, um, are third bottom, and Olimpo, fourth bottom. So all of those sides lost, as did Vélez, who were the side just above the relegation zone. And Huracan, who were the side just above them. Um, so the bottom six in the relegation table all lost this weekend. Nothing therefore changes. Vélez remain nine points clear of Olimpo. Sorry, 11 points clear of Olimpo with the same number of matches played. Um, Tempele are 12 behind Vélez. Huracan just one point ahead of them. And Tigre two points ahead of Vélez. So the cut-off point there 
uh, Olimpo Tempeleas and El Chacarita in the relegation zone, Venezuela Canin Tigre above it, one would think by enough, given that everybody in the relegation zone is, is losing far more than they're winning. Um, but you never know. I mean, it, it, particularly if Vélez's current poor form continues. Uh, OK, they've only lost two in a row. Hainsey might turn it around. But it's um, it's looking increasingly like a not particularly dramatic and relegation I, battle to me. And I heard that uh, they want seven teams to go down and only three to go up to the first division. So... So that the Superliga has 24 teams. But I is, don't know is when is that, when will be that. If but is this in total over this year? Because they're going to have another transition. Yes, I think that, that's, that that will be the gap. So uh, there are four teams going down at the end of this season. And if they decide to relegate three and only promote one at the end of the transitional championship in December this year, that will mean seven relegations in 2018. Oh, but not yeah. actually in the same... Um, uh, campaign, as it were, and three promotions: two at the end of this season and one at the end of next season. Transitional tournament with groups, also. Possibly, they've not decided on the structure yet. Um, we will obviously get into this when we hear more details of it. For now, I'm going to pause the recording and we're going to fill in um, some fill in, fill, refill our glasses um, with some more alcohol, and we will get back to you in just a couple of minutes when we will discuss some listeners' questions and. Whatever else pops into our head, don't go away. Passing motorbike fades into the distance, we begin part two of this week's Hand of Pod with some questions. Lawrence Hart is first up. He sent this one in um, eight hours ago. That's business-like, Lawrence, before I'd even ask for questions. He says, can you give us an update on the success or non-success of the Englishman who was playing in the Argentine lower leagues? I should have looked this up. He played for El Porvenir. I don't remember the name. He is uh, still playing for El Porvenir. Uh, I, follow, I follow him on Twitter. He's David Aloyaye. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his surname. Um, but I cannot tell you how many games he's playing. What we can do, at least, is look up how El Porvenir are doing because they're in the Primera C. Or B. B, I think. Uh, which is the third tier, in spite of the name. Uh, are they there? No, they're not. They must be in the say. So the say is the fourth tier, in spite of the name. Yes, there they are. Oh. Um, and they, as a club, are bottom. With two wins and eight draws and 11 defeats so far this season. Uh, I doubt that this page that we use, which for these Primera sides, has the statistics uh, according to how many players have played how many games. I don't think it's going to have... No, it's not going to be such count for this one unfortunately um, but yeah it's um, oh it's also very out of date because he's not even listed in the squad there oh yes he is sorry there he is ole uh, David um, but yeah we um, we can't tell you very much about him I'm afraid sorry yes, I should have asked down not much coverage of the of the I thought it was Primera B but Primera C even yeah less uh, coverage um, we will try and get an answer for you next week, Lawrence, if 
I remember. If you don't want, if you if you want to remind me via Facebook, oh, I'd better load up the Facebook page and see if I have any questions on there as well later. Um, then I will try and get you a reminder. Lawrence also says, also, how much of a hot shot is Nicolas Fernandez seen as at Defensa y Justicia? From my limited research, they've been his only club. Is this correct? Possibly. Very possibly. I'm now going to do some limited research of my own and see whether I can uh, throw up anything else for you. My limited research consisting of Google. Um, but it's possible that I speak a bit more Spanish than Lawrence does. I'm not sure. I think Lawrence does speak Spanish. Um, they do appear to be his only club. Yeah, he's 22. Um, so, yeah. I would go with yes. Um, because did Leandro Fernandez also come through? Defensa Justicia's youth system. Uh, perhaps before Godoy Cruz, because he, he before Independiente was Godoy Cruz, but perhaps his very first team was yeah. that. Having said that, Nicolás was born in Santa Fe. I mean, I guess it's, it's possible that they had a, a, a different teams in the youth system, you know, when they were like really young. There, there might not be one club men in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, Nicolás is, is certainly having a stormer right now. He apparently played a game for them in 2014. I can't remember that one. But um, other than that, uh, he's broken into the first team in spectacular starts so far this season. And again, having mentioned Juan Garro and how if he was in a Buenos Aires base team, he'd be getting more press. Same. Here we have the, um, <sighs> the, the, the counter-argument to that because Nicolás um, Fernández is not getting an awful lot of press at the moment might change if he scores for them in international competition tonight maybe um, but for the moment it's, it's quite quiet because nobody really pays attention to Defensa y Justicia um, I'm not saying that that's the right attitude to take but it's the attitude that people do take so it's um, but Garo played for Godoy Cruz in, in the Copa Libertadores last, night, last year and yeah and still no one noticed yes. but yes Lawrence the answer to your question is um, he's clearly a decent player in our opinion and yes, defensively with DC have been his only club uh, in as much as that means anything, as it were. He might have had a different one when he was 10. But um, Yusuf Amin has volunteered for prediction battle, which I'm very grateful to him for. He will be taking me on in a few minutes. Arch Bell did send in a couple of his own predictions. He said he thinks Banfield are going to beat Boca this weekend, which is brave given that Banfield are going to be fielding the kids. Um, and he says also I think Tacheres are going to stumble at San Martin with a draw in San Juan and River will beat Godoy Cruz I'm not sure which of those is braver really Banfield's kids to beat Boca or River to get a win from anywhere Um, but we'll see Um, Ahmed Al-Mudaris says hello I have a two part question following some bad results do you think Gachardo has taken River as far as he can well uh as I said, it is something that has to be the titles he won, he have won in the past, and that he has signed a contract or renewed his, his contract until 2021, uh, when also the Donofrio uh, term ex- expires. And uh, there is, they repeated that there is n- not a question of results that the the union with between Gachard and River but of the project and the youth and and kids and that but mm. uh, yes uh, the, the supporters that go to the stadium and that are not happy with the the present of the team they don't care right now of the youth or the kids that perhaps come to the first division in three or four years or five um, but yeah. to the to the the way that the team plays right now 
Uh, I don't see Gallardo leaving um, because of that, of what I said, but in another cir circumstances and, and conditions, uh, I think that the, the, any other coach will leave or, or either either will be fired. But uh, Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, I suspect he has taken them as far as he can because because of the fact that the performances haven't really changed in the last year. Um, there have been some obvious issues. I say obvious. We have seen them as obvious um, here. People look at football in different ways and he clearly isn't looking at football the way that we do um, because he continues not to do the things that, in our opinion, would address uh, Rivers' problems. A lot of people saying, uh, for example, uh, I, I read uh, even journalists, not only supporters, uh, saying that Gallardo uh, is wrong when he puts Enzo Perez as a like a, almost a defensive midfielder when mm -hmm. he's he will be more useful more not not as a, as a offensive but as perhaps as a free midfielder yeah um, and that's something that the, perhaps Gachero doesn't feel like or doesn't uh, think that Enzo Perez is a player for more offensive or more ahead in the pitch functions and but the the, the reason is that uh, or the thing is that he's not uh, doing well he's not playing well and something has to do with that with the position yeah um, and in spite of that he's in the conversation for Argentina's World Cup squad but yes. we'll see about it um, Ahmed then says the second part of his question was it a mistake on Gachardo's part not to leave at the end of last season I don't know about last season because they did win the Copa Argentina um, at the end of the year but I mean I think he could have possibly moved on in December and I think it was largely it was almost taken for granted that he was going to move on in the middle of this year before he signed that massive four year contract extension um, so we'll see I mean maybe the contract extension turns out to be a way of River ensuring that they'll get a load of compensation if he does go to a European side or something in the middle of the year um, but I mean I suspect that for Gashano it, it might prove to be a bit of a mistake it might prove that he's been there for too long because he seems to have stagnated a bit um, and he's no longer the, the next big thing. Nacional have just scored again to make it 2-1 away to Banfield with nine minutes left. Um, and yeah, it, it sort of... But then again, maybe a move would give him some new ideas and some new impetus and, and buck him up a bit. Who knows? Um, Youssef is back with a couple of questions. He says, do you think Juan Manuel Shop will survive the heat that he's feeling at Newell's currently or will he get sacked soon? I think he's a dead man walking, isn't he? They're awful. Yes. I mean, it's not just that they're losing games, but they're also just uh, to watch. They're terrible. Um, and the fans have been against him for months now, it feels like. Um, yes. Obviously, in those months, they've played about three matches or something because of the way the calendar works. But, yes. Um, I, remember, yeah, I, I remember by the end of the year, uh, criticising the supporters that... Uh, uh, well, in also criticize him because they lost against Rosario Central, but they had won River previously, mm. and saying that they well they uh, something that has to do with the, all of the all of it, not only results like you said, but also performance and and it's going even worse uh, match by match. And so yes, I don't. It's difficult to predict something like that. If, whether he will continue or he will fire, be fired, uh, yes, it's 
I don't I don't like to say he yes he will leave no he will he will stay uh, the results on the play will give the, the yeah um, I, I suspect he's gone soon uh, David Phillips who runs um, an account which covers Newell's uh, at least while they're playing uh, from the United States under at Leper Dave um, says I'm going to extend I expand on that question. Do you think that the blame for Newell's poor season is due to Shop being in charge of the team, or are the players they have available just not up to the job? I think it's it's a, possibly a bit of both. Um, they obviously have struggled to replace Nacho Goko, who moved to River, um, and Maxi Rodriguez, who moved to Peñarol at the beginning of the season. That Newell's didn't really have any money. Um, with which to replace them. Those players moved on in order to get themselves off the wage bill in order that Newells could at least pay the squad members who were left um, because, you know, Rodriguez and Skoko were getting a fair bit of a fair whack um, of that money. And since the new year, I think it's becoming apparent as well that last year they were perhaps more reliant than we appreciated at the time on uh, Nguyen Pass in the defence that's certainly the attitude that I've seen from a couple of the Newell's fan accounts that I follow on Twitter. Um, so it's it's a tricky one. It's, I think it's a combination of Shop clearly not really having a clue how to set the team up, um, and the players that he's got available not being good enough. So I think I think it's both. And even when Bas uh, was apparently leaving to Bologna, and finally I heard that uh, according according to Taste Sports account Twitter accounts. That he will play for Lanús. They, that yeah, he's on loan. Yes. So we, we, we've had this conversation. So they have their rival, in stages, but rival it's now confirmed, yeah. with the player that was uh, perhaps one of their best men in defense, and they will have as a rival right now. And uh, yes, and uh, Maxi Rodriguez, Coco, and Formica. They all of them left with mm, not leaving any money Formica. to the club, right? Yeah. Because as a free agents? Yes, I, I think that the deal basically was that the club would um, not have to pay them anymore. And yes, and, and they were fined. News was fined with three points because yeah. no, not paying to their players. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, I think it's a combination of, of both. Yeah. Uh, Youssef says, "How surprising was it to see Patronato win without Sebastián Rivas?" Well, they they scored the first goal, so I'm not sure they were without him. I think you've misread yes, the team. Yes, he was with him. It was with him because he 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 scored the second. Yeah. Second, sorry, you're quite right. Yeah, not the first. Um, yeah, so uh, you've misread the team sheet, Yusuf, I'm afraid. Uh, I would have skipped over that one, sorry, but I've, I've read it out without realising what the question was. Um, Yusuf then says, outside of the big five, which team in the Superliga has the best manager? First of all, I wouldn't say necessarily that the big five are guaranteed to have the best five managers right now, after what we just said about Gashalo particularly. Um, but I like Frank Kudelka. Kudelka, Falcini, Kudelka. Falcioni, who we're watching right now at Banfield. Um, possibly Almiron at London. Oh, he's not Dominguez, at London anymore, also. though, is he? Of course he isn't. Eduardo Dominguez could be great. He's an interesting one, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he improves. Alfaro, well, there is... I know the best, but it's, it's like with a lot of... Right now, it's a lot of experience and... Uh, well, of, of, also a lot of teams. Uh, and, yes, as one of big man or big name in the first division not having uh, the having been the coach of a big team except for San Lorenzo I think it's another one yeah and also we have to give a big up to Juan Pablo Bojboda who's currently working miracles at Defensa Justicia 
Um, I mean, okay, they, they lost three in a row before that 4-2 win over Chakarita this last weekend. Um, but by and large, they've been punching above their weight. And they've been good at selecting managers, really, ever since they broke into the Primera with Ariel Olan, followed by Sebastián Becasese. And then a bit of a misstep with Nelson Bibas at the beginning of this season, but Bofbordo's got them back on the straight and narrow. Um, so he's, he's a good shout as well, I think. So there are a bunch of interesting bosses in the top flight at the moment. Um, Ian Flux says I have just started to listen to your pod and it's really good thank you Ian in regards to quality where does the best team in Argentina sit in terms of quality compared to Europe that's an interesting one well right now it's, it's in, Boca the best team in Argentina right now are Boca um, and if you put them into a European league I think they would be upper mid table in somewhere like France or uh, sorry in somewhere like Spain or, or England um they obviously wouldn't be competing for the title. And they will be fighting for the title in France, I think. With PSG? Yes. Maybe fighting for second place. Well, when I watched, uh, well, not watched, but I, I watched the, the summarize the, the goals of PSG against Dijon, for example. Mm-hmm. I think I, I now remember that Boca could perfectly uh, fit in that league and, and do a, a great a great tournament it's a conversation I've had with a few people before and the other thing I think it's worth pointing out is if these teams were I mean if they were dropped in right now in the middle of the season then financially they're massively behind it's a much more physical well you know it's it's, it's a different style of play altogether if you get them a couple of seasons then Boca or River the big clubs or Tacheres um, or Colón or Union the, the teams who are currently doing well if you gave them a couple of seasons and gave them the finances and put them on an equal financial footing with some of their new peers in the English Premier League or La Liga or whatever, um, it would be interesting to see where they would go. I think that that's, if you leave Spain, eh, I, I, th- I see Italy and there's Spal, it's Benevento, it's Sassuolo and, and after those teams there is Juventus and Napoli, Inter perhaps, Milan now is now not now any the, the the monster that used to be. Mm. Uh, so I think that the big five could could be do a great uh, tournament in most of the leagues. I don't say Spain perhaps, but uh, uh, perhaps Germany with, along with uh, uh, is Bayern Munich and and Bayer Leverkusen and some other teams that. But yes, for me. Boca now has uh, two teams, uh, a squad with two teams to play, uh, perhaps to play here and to as the substitutes or the reserves to play it in in France and do a good, good things. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be an interesting thing to see. Uh, Ian also says I need a team to follow. I like River, but is there a team similar to Crystal Palace? Crystal <sighs> Palace. I never really know how to draw e- equivalences between different clubs. San Lorenzo playing the same colours as Crystal Palace would that be good enough for you mm. um, but um, maybe or I can I don't know I don't, you know listeners tweet in suggestions for next week's episode uh, for Argentine clubs who are similar to Crystal Palace or include Ian in these tweets iflux365 um and uh, give him ideas for some teams to follow obviously and if you do want to follow River then Andres and I will be delighted and we'll welcome you into the club um, 
Peter says Rivas was man of the match with a goal and an assist in the win over Vélez, prompting Pumpido to say that he's one of the best four centre forwards in the league, along with Benedetto, Gamba, and Escoco. Question for Hand of Pod: Who would you add to that list? First of all, I'm not sure Gokko necessarily is one of the best five in the league, um, in spite of his awesome performance against um, Olimpo. Thank you, Olimpo, last weekend. Thank you very much for coming in to fill that one in because I completely my mind was a blank. Um, I mean, in terms of the other top scorers, we're talking Nicolas Fernandez, who Lawrence has mentioned, who I think has to be in the conversation because he's the second joint second top scorer in the league, and Santiago Garcia, who I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, a few minutes ago, um, as well as Lautaro Martinez, who who is arguably the best attacking player full stop in the league but I, right wanted, now, I, think. I wanted to say about Lautaro Martinez and apart from him about Tevez because there was a huge massive campaign uh, if you talk about only media a, a, a newspaper it's not perhaps that important but Ole which is the most read newspaper or this sport newspaper in Argentina uh, making a huge huge campaign in favor of Lautaro Martinez and Tevez who is the one who deserves to go to the World Cup, both of them played awfully mm. this weekend. That's true. But Martinez has been you know, really good yes, for most course. of this season. Um, I, I would put him in the conversation, as I say, and, and I would also put um, Fernandez up there and, and Santiago Garcia. Um, I certainly think it should be relatively... Oh, and also Gamba's um, teammate, Franco Soldano, who's, who's been... Soldano, who has been linked uh, as a smoke... Uh, with River uh, sometime oh really ago. yes mm. Banfield have just equalised in stoppage time Dario Spitanic I think was the scorer there um, to make it 2-2 two, two. Banfield 2 Nacional 2 with a minute and a half of stoppage time mm. left um, and yeah no, it's in, there, there are a few good centre forwards right now Spitanic I wouldn't put in the top 5 necessarily uh, but there are various others um, Yusuf then says let me see oh no that's a continuation of other conversations on Twitter Lawrence says Sam did you ask my questions earlier did you get my questions from earlier today read the English player at El Porvenir yes I did Lawrence yes don't worry Um, we've answered those already and then he says oh no right he's he's copied and pasted them again to make sure I see them Uh, Matthew Lothar says how's the Argentine public taken to the new pay TV deal after years with football para todos uh, to which Remy has kindly tweeted a reply and said, my neighbours running to their balconies to scream after each goal index says that they haven't, but that might not be the most scientific measure. Um, I'm paying for it, and I think enough other people are that they're going to make some money from it. Obviously, not everyone is doing. Andres? I am not. <laughs> yes. Uh, I tried to catch something to watch it online, or, well, uh, to watch the... The videos of the Superliga with the three or four minutes that have in the in the well, after matches play are played and the, yes uh, I try to manage like that way uh, I'm I'm against that policy and I'm not going to pay for for football when I you I was but used I mean, to it's 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 how most yes. leagues around the world now yes I know and um, the previous way was using taxpayers' money when most taxpayers weren't really interested in watching yes. the league. Yes, so it has to do with a more deeper, a deeper uh, perspective than only football and and 
Well, it's okay. I will pay because so because I want. I need to watch. I need. I know that I need to watch it, but uh, it has to do with another other things that that other than than only football and and watch it paying the money. Yeah, uh, but yes, uh, it's a decision. Only has to do with other things that. If if it weren't my job, then I don't know whether I'd be paying 300 pesos a month for it either, I have yeah. to say. Uh, I'd probably try to find a cafe or a bar or something to watch the River game and maybe the Bocker game each weekend, yes. and I wouldn't bother the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's obviously affected viewing figures, but um, there are still enough people. And there are, and, and the other thing is, it's it's causing a, a boost in or a return to, because of course it wasn't as if it was always free on free to air before, um, a return to uh, venues, bars and cafes and stuff, showing matches and getting people in to watch them, which has never really been a huge thing in Argentina in the way that us from Anglophone countries understand the concept of going to the pub to watch a game. Um, but it's happening more now. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, do you think that River's best chance of qualifying for the 2019 Copa Libertadores is by winning the 2018 Copa Libertadores or the Sudamericana if they drop into it? It's a big ask getting in via the league and I can't see it happening. Nor can I, particularly given that Marcelo Gachardo, after the Lanús defeat, apparently said that River were not playing for anything in the league now, which is an attitude I find really, really annoying. As I mentioned before, I wish that we could see big teams going all out to get the league title and the Libertadores in the same campaign. So to hear somebody just saying, yeah, well, you know, basically we're writing off the next 12 matches now in the league is very frustrating, especially yes. when they're not in a Libertadores or Sudamericana qualifying spot. That's if, if River were like 15 points clear of the team in third and 15 points behind the team in first, I could understand them saying that to an extent. But when you're 19th, and it's a really tight mid-table. Yes. Exactly. I mean, if nothing else, you play for pride. And that feeling of uh, River uh, playing better or with the other mentality in knockout stages or uh, international competitions than in the local league is deeper now because they are 19. But uh, that feeling was stopped, I think, when they lost against Lanús in the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores 2017. Mm. When they had all, all for them to... To, to close the match or to well to finish it winning and well they, what was what seemed impossible happened and they lost for two uh, yeah. at, until until that moment it was river plays better in the competitions that are uh, eliminated if they don't win that match or well the first and second leg stages uh, and well uh, and now we will be deeper because they are 19th in the Superliga yeah I think the River's best chance of Libertadores football next year is going to be the same way they got into it this year, which is by winning the Copa, uh, Copa Argentina. In fact, of course, they got into it this year by, by qualifying via the league as well. But um, if they win the Copa Argentina, they qualify. And that has to be what they're aiming for now, because the league is gone, according to Gasharado. There's no point even trying anymore. Um, Arsenal Fanatic asks, Lo Celso had a tough debut in the Champions League tonight, but he was playing in a holding midfield role. Was he played out of position? I'm pretty sure he was an attacking midfielder slash winger for Rosario Central. You are correct, Arsenal. So the answer to that question is yes. Uh, that's a very easy question to answer. Lo Celso was played out of position. It was an unusual decision, I thought, when I saw it. And um, it didn't go particularly well for them. Unsurprisingly. Um, and that's it. That's your lot for the questions, which means that in a couple of 
not a couple, but a few seconds' time, you'll be hearing Mystic Sam's predictions against those of Mystic Yusef for the weekend to come, so don't go away. Okay, the first time that I'm seeing this fixture list is as I read them off Yusef's email, so I'll just uh, make these up as I go along, as usual. Estudiantes versus Union. Yusef says he's going to be an Estudiantes win, and I'm going to go for an, an draw. Racing versus Lanús. Yusef thinks it'll be a Racing win. I'm going to go for a Racing win as well. Belgrano against Beles. Ooh, Yusef reckons a Beles win. Hmm. I'm going to go for a Belgrano win there. Uh, Argentinos versus Atletico Tucumán. Yusuf thinks it's an Atletico Tucumán win. I'm going to go for a draw. San Lorenzo versus Newells. Yusuf says that's a home win. I think it's going to be... Yeah, I think that's difficult to argue with, actually. Tempele versus Independiente. Yusuf says Independiente. I say Independiente. Rosario Central versus Olimpo. Yusuf says draw. I think Central will win that one. San Martin against Tacheres. Yusuf reckons that's a Tacheres win, and I think it's very difficult to argue with him there, given their current fantastic standing. Arsenal versus Huracan. Yusuf reckons draw. I reckon Huracan will win it. River versus Godoy Cruz. Yusuf thinks River win. I'm going to go for a draw. Bo- uh, Banfield versus Boca. He's going for a Boca win. I'm going to go for. Oh. We already mentioned this, didn't we? Banfield are going to be playing the kids because they're Libertadores one, so I'm going to go for a Boca win as well. Tigre versus Defensa y Justicia. Yusuf thinks it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a t- uh, Defensa y Justicia sorry, uh, victory. Patronato versus Chacarita. Yusuf reckons it's a Patronato win. I think it'll be also a Patronato win. And Colón de Santa Fe versus Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata. Yusuf thinks that's a draw. I'm going to go for a Colón win we have some interesting looking fixtures this weekend I think um, not so much perhaps Banfield's kids against Boca's first team but River Godoy Cruz purely because of the aforementioned clash of different levels of form coming into it one or the other of those two pretty poor records um, has to break surely either River will win a game or Godoy Cruz will finally win an away game for the second time all season. Of course, they could draw, which would be yes. frustrating for both sides. There are three, three possible results. what I've gone for. Um, but it will be interesting to see the kind of reaction that we get from it. San Lorenzo versus Newell's could be a, a thumping win, I think, for the, the home side. Um, and, yeah, Arsenal versus Oracan is the match to miss this weekend, I think. I almost forgot, forget to say uh, something about San Lorenzo, which is... Uh, Papa Biagio, uh, Roman Biagio, that uh, hasn't already signed his contract or to renew his contract, as uh, he's now out of contract. And if he doesn't sign it with San Lorenzo, he won't be able to be at the bench against News. Uh, something strange, really. He'll have to give instructions to his assistant. So his contract, his employment contract, ran out, and nobody noticed. And so he's still working sounds like club, that but, but uh, he, he started as, as an intern manager finally yeah. he got some results now well his results aren't that good but uh, he finally stayed and now he's not has not his contract signed so it's 
really strange how how they think about about him. Yeah, no, it's a weird one. I think you're a bit harsh, by the way, saying his results aren't that good. He's drawn one and and, and lost one so far this year, but I mean, prior to that, four straight wins. He's, I think, by and large. Got the team. You you can understand that Sanremo didn't have any money to buy or to sign new players. But, oh, of course. But, yeah, yeah. But he's the coach. Yeah. You'd think they could have the money to renew his contract at least, yes. at least to print out a couple of pages of contract saying you're getting the same wages as before and get him to sign them. Um, but yes. Anyway, uh, that's it for Hand of Pod this week. Thank you very much for listening to us. Um, please join us again next week when we will be discussing this weekend and also keep listening up to the theme tune and I'll give you the full time score um, from the first leg of the Recopa which has just kicked off on the other channel so I'm going to switch to it now uh, Independiente versus Gremio is underway um, Banfield versus Nacional by the way finished a couple of minutes ago and that did indeed end 2-2 as we expected for now it's thank you very much and good night from Andres thank you good night and from me thank you and good night Following on from Banfield's uh, last minute or almost last minute 2-2 draw with Nacional. One more result this evening in the first leg of the Recopa Sudamericana. Independiente and Gremio played a very entertaining match um, end-to-end. Emmanuel Gigliotti got sent off shortly before half-time. Um, and to be honest, until about the last 10 or 15 minutes, you couldn't really have told if you started watching at half-time that um, Independiente were down by a man. It ended 1-1. Both goals came in the first half, and the second leg is going to be next Wednesday in Porto Alegre.